We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you crying? No. Are you crying? Are you crying? There's no crying. There's no crying in baseball. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes, no. No? Sir, sir, uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is it? No, not right now. No, it's not fun anymore. Not even a little bit. Just look at that. He hit the fall. Gotta get some free steak. <laughs> you having fun yet? Oh, yeah, I'm having a blast. Thanks. Good. All right, welcome back to Big Screen Sports, the sports movie podcast, brought to you by Blue Wire Podcast. I am your host, Kyle Banduho. Today, we're wrapping up June, talking about a very recent drop, Adam Sandler's new basketball movie, Hustle. I'm joined by my buddy, J.R. Hickey. Hustle is available on Netflix. If you have not checked it out yet, it is it's well worth your time, as we're, we're going to get into. Uh, definitely watch before you listen. This is not spoiler-free. But, um, you know, anyone who's listening to this podcast, you're going to love Hustle. So go check that out. Before we get into it, want to shout out our big screen sports Patreon group, especially our producer level big chill patrons. That is Aaron Figueroa, Mike Schubert, Steve Rogers, Kevin Frost, Mike D, Ryan Yeager, Mike Dries, James Kowalewski, Chris Mikoski, Andrew Teagle, John Craig, Sam Smith, Zach Rich, and of course, Classic Stadium Fire, the sponsor to all our patrons movie episodes. Big thanks to them and all of our patrons for supporting this show. Uh, if you go to patreon.com slash big screen sports, you can vote on movies for the show to cover. You have a couple more days to get in. We have three polls up right now for movies to cover in July. Patrons picking three episodes. You get schedule updates. You get ad-free episodes. You get stickers. You get all the good stuff. Uh, and you get to support the show, which, uh, you know, keep keep this thing rolling. But uh, like I said at the top today, we're talking hustle. My good buddy, JR, always great to chop it up with him. And he has some very exciting news to share about the return of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. So let's get right into that and talking hustle. All right, returning to the show, the first guest ever on this podcast, a multiple-time guest, a guy with some some damn exciting news to share with us before we dive in. Jer Hickey, what's going on, man? Kyle, always good to see you. Always good to talk to movies with you, but I'm especially excited today to talk about a basketball movie. I think yes. you've had me on for two football movies and a horrible track and field movie. Yeah, it's tough. And basketball is kind of my number one sport, so this is this is exciting. I, I've been like riding the wave of my Warriors winning the NBA championship last week, and I've been craving more basketball content. So super excited to be here. Yeah, probably the best movie that we've covered. Or I mean, well, we can we can kind of debate that. First movie we did was Remember the Titans. 
I've got some recency bias with what we're talking about tonight. We can dive into that in a minute. JR, you've got great news. So a lot of people might know me from Best of LinkedIn, a Twitter and Instagram account I run where I made fun of people on LinkedIn. Or most recently, uh, That's a Nice Touch, which is a TikTok account I run. But only the old JR heads know me from a podcast called Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the Entourage podcast. Kyle, you were a mainstay on this podcast. You probably dropped in once or twice a season. I'd have you on in between seasons. You were a fan favorite. You were one of my favorite guests for one of my favorite TV shows. And that podcast ended two years ago for a number of various reasons. Global pandemic, I moved. I was just kind of burnt out and probably because everyone and their mothers was dropping a podcast at that time. Including uh, (laughs) literally the creator of Entourage. Including, yeah, including the guys from Entourage. And it's been two years. I've kind of dusted off my recording device, found my microphone, got a new setup here at the the new house, and I'm excited to announce that Vinny Chase is back, baby. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Let's fucking go, baby. Vince is doing the movie. (laughs) Vince is doing the movie. We are, we're coming back. Uh, Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. We'll premiere, re-premiere, I don't know what you call it, Monday, July 11th. So when you listen to this, we're going to be about a week and a half, two weeks out from just seeing seeing how we're doing. I, I genuinely am excited to see the feedback, the listens. I have not gone a week in these past two years without hearing from somebody begging me to bring the podcast back. So thank you to everyone who listened to the podcast, who reached out, who was so gracious and kind of, you know, adding me on and uh, I'm, I'm finally diving in. So what's going to happen is uh, Monday, July 11th, Kyle is actually going to join me for a very special episode of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. We are going to kind of walk it back and revisit a classic, classic season two episode of Entourage. It's one of those like, you know, Hall of Fame, Mount Rushmore episodes of Entourage. I'm not going to tell you which one it is yet, but it's one that you'll know just by its title. I think it's a really important episode for dudes who became movie bros. Yep, yep. It's a great way to great way to put it. And so we're gonna do that. We're just gonna see, have some fun, play with some new categories, see if I still got my fastball behind the mic. And uh, you know, a week after that, we'll pick it right back up. I think we were midway through season five uh, when I abruptly stopped in June of 2020. So super excited to be back uh, hosting, and super excited to be here with you today, Kyle. Thanks for having me. Of course. Is it too late to start calling your listeners the baby bros? (laughs) (laughs) That's great. Only only took 60 episodes and a two-year hiatus for that to come to mind. This is the type of fresh thinking I needed because my brain was just mush. I was, think about it, we were locked down, there was no end in sight, and all I was doing was watching and talking about Entourage. Are you fucking kidding me? I was like losing my mind. So... The baby bros, that kind of has to be it. I, I might, I might, there, they will, there I is an episode. literally just thought of that. <laughs> there is an episode on the Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah feed right now um, with me kind of announcing that it's bad. And I'm going to probably start it off by saying, welcome back, baby bros, because there's no other way to describe. It's pretty much entirely dudes that listen to the pod. So I'm, I'm excited, man. That's, I mean, that's great. It was, it was pretty much entirely dudes who watched that show. So that, that adds up. That adds up. You and I have been talking about the return of Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah for like the better part of a month now. And I said to you, if it weren't for the success of Bid Screen Sports, I would 100% have you on as a co-host. Not only to shoulder the hosting duties, 
but all of the editing and social media and just <laughs> nonsense that goes into it. Just, to, you know, kind of give you half People don't know. There's so many pods that start up and end five minutes later or five, <laughs> like five episodes later because they're like, oh, actually, this is a ton of work. This this takes a lot of time. This is a just, great way for, for the people in your life to be mad at you because you're spending all your time doing this. Yep, so. exactly. So uh, the wife is used to it at this point. And um, she's actually been my biggest, like, uh, she, one of the biggest people encouraging me. She's like, why did you stop? Like, you you know, I loved I loved the response that was getting. So shout out to her. And uh, yeah, man, excited to be back. I, I genuinely don't know what will happen. I hope I don't run out of steam again. But uh, we'll see. It's a new era. It's a new era for Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah. I'm excited as hell. Really looking forward to it. Everyone tune into that. Go subscribe on the feed. Speaking of categories, if you want to change around the show a little bit, we're going to add a category, subtract a category, change the things around, go join the Patreon. There should be a poll up now. Adding a new category, deleting a category, going to change things up, keep things fresh. That's 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 why you do this. You got to keep the wheels turning. Uh, but, but Jared, today we're talking about a movie that came out two weeks ago. Yep. We are talking about Hustle, the 2022 basketball comedic drama. A basketball scout discovers a phenomenal streetball player while in Spain, and he sees the prospect as this opportunity to get back onto an NBA bench. It starred Adam Sandler, Queen Latifah, and Juancho Erna Gomez. It's directed by Jeremiah Zagar. Currently has a 92% on Rotten Tomatoes. And, you know, and the phrase an Adam Sandler Netflix movie is coming out has, has carried many meanings. Yeah. Our boy did it, usually, man. He did it. Usually, usually it, it's met with a groan, uh, kind of a wet fart, and yet somehow like 50 million people will watch it, yeah. and Netflix will say like, you know, The Ridiculous Six is like the number one movie of the, you know, the half decade for them, or... Uh, what are some of those other ones? Hubie Halloween. Have you seen that one? I've had, I think you... I know you did. I did not. Oh, God. So it oh, sucks wasn't because... There, wasn't there Murder Mystery or something like that? Well, that one that's I do the, stand that's for. The, that's the one you told me I should actually watch. Yes. Because I still haven't. Correct. It's like... I think it was because it's like about a, you know, a newly married couple. I can't even remember. Like, you, you watch one Adam Sandler movie and you've kind of seen them all. Except for this one. Except for this one. And I'm one. just so... I'm so excited to talk about this because this is easily the most positive and exuberant I've felt about any sports movie in a very long time. This is... I mean, he he did it. And we we were texting about this in that, like, there's clearly so much passion behind this. Not to say that yeah. Adam Sandler doesn't put passion behind these other Netflix projects, but there's, there's a clear difference in what's going on here. Um, it's... I mean truly an achievement in terms of, of a basketball film, what they put on camera, the fact that it has like the thumbprint of basketball people all over this movie. Like it feels, it's not a, it's not a perfect movie. Like I'm not, I'm not. not, yeah, I'm pulling back. I'm not saying this is a perfect movie, but in terms of, of what it is, how it makes you feel, how you can tell the people in the movie feel about it. It's, I mean, it's great. Like it, I was, I was floored how much I liked it, honestly. And, and, and you know what? It's, I'm glad that you say that because, and I'm not trying to, you know, jump to conclusions, but I know that, you know, basketball is not your number one sport and, and, and you've never claimed that it will be. I am a hoops junkie. I, I consume NBA content and I have ever since I was nine years old. This, this hit me, this like hit me in the right places. This touched all the right, I don't know why I'm making it sound so like dirty and sexual, but like, it just like this touched me in all the right ways. Very gently. <laughs> This this really brought me to a place I, I erupted. 
no, man, I, I, and I'm, I have a big smile on my face right now because, like, I watched this movie when it came out two weeks ago. And I texted you and I said, hey, you're going to do Hustle. And he said, no, should I? And I said, I really think you should. And plus, I have some big news. And I basically invited myself on the pod. Which I'm glad you did. Glad you did. <laughs> and then I rewatched it last night to prepare. And I liked it, like, five, maybe ten times more. Because I was able to just kind of, like, let it wash over me. Just, like, the love of the sport. And, and just, like, the the real deep, like, meaning that Sandler threw in it. So I want to talk about all of Sandler's sports movies and how they reigned. I, I want to talk more about Sandler, but I'll let, I'll let you drive. Sorry. Well, I mean, with, I mean, with that, we are going to talk about where this ranks. So now with the Sandler sports movies, we've got the two he did very early. We've got happy Gilmore and the water boy. We've got yep. the longest yard when it's like, he's a commercial success. And I mean, that goes right into, he, you know, a couple years after that, he's got grown ups, and then the Netflix deal. And then more recently uncut gems. If you want to consider that a sports movie, which is a very different kind of sports movie and hustle. And I think for the purpose of the conversation, leaving gems out now that I think about it, I think these would be a great, we were talking about this too. This would be a great double feature. You watch gems first and then have hustle to kind of like relieve your anxiety a little bit. Yeah. Um, Yeah. Because when you just think about Sandler performances and what he's really getting into, the the gems performance i was hopeful was going to get him an oscar nomination i think he's incredible the uh you know they they wrote that that movie for him um the uh the safty brothers wrote that movie you know wrote that part for mm-hmm. him um and that comes through this movie while the part in uncut gems was for adam sandler this movie and everything about it was for adam sandler and like clearly this passion project and as far as you know wh- where where does this rank for you the Sandler, if we, if we go with the four, sure. the four sure. Sandler sports movies. So really, let, let me just address the Untouched Gems thing, and then I've, I'll give you my, my four. People love Untouched Gems, but like you said, that was a performance. He was performing a character. Howard Ratner, he's like this extraordinarily, extraordinarily elevated caricature of this gambling addict who's like manic, and it, he was, maybe he was going for an Oscar, maybe he wasn't, but he transformed himself. Stanley Sugarman, this schlubby ex-college athlete who's obsessed with all things basketball, that's who Adam Sandler would love to be at the age of 55, oh, which yeah. is his current age. And that's who Adam Sandler is now. This, I, I'll, I'll venture, Kyle, this might be the role that Sandler is most perfect for. I, I've mentioned this, I don't know, maybe on my podcast or on this, but my first wife, she used to work at uh, Sony Pictures in Los Angeles. I just want to clarify lot. for folks not in on the joke. When he says his first wife, he means his current and only wife. That's still true. It's all true. <laughs> so she used to work at Sony Pictures in L.A. for almost 10 years. And Sandler's films used to be produced by Sony until the Netflix deal. He had a pickup game on the Sony lot in between shot setups and would play every single day. And he still says in interviews and podcasts, which he doesn't do many of, that he plays basketball every single day of his life. So again, uh, uh, this is kind of an open-ended question. Is this the most perfect Adam Sandler role ever? I feel like it is this. And then on a sadder note, funny people. Mm -hmm. Because funny people he's... We did talk about funny people. Funny people he's excellent in. And that's a a different side. of Those are both a lot of who he is. Um, because funny people, he is playing a Sandler like comedian 
if his life had gone a little different of a way. Sandler is yep. notorious. Sandler's a great family man and all this stuff. That's like almost an alternate reality Sandler, but it's a guy who's had kind of the same career making the ridiculous movies, making, you know, doing the stand up stuff. Um, yeah. I mean, this and funny people stand out for me. And then the characters he invented when we were, you know, when we were kids, like with Billy Madison and happy Gilmore, like this initial run stand out in kind of a different way of that's, that's how he came on the scene. That's how as a kid, I found Adam Sandler, like this, goofy guy who made me laugh like and still makes me laugh i still love Same. those early movies but as he's transcended as an actor th- those two performances and they're what 15 years apart when did funny people come out like 13 years apart like funny people people like yeah it was like 2000 yeah i was gonna say 2007 but yeah um it's crazy man that's a great that's a great comp like funny people's one way his life could have gone and hustle is another way his life could have gone like take away the commercial success of his comedy albums the saturday night live he might have just been like you know a commercial stand-up comedian who did kids movies or just a guy who like ingrained himself in an nba organization for like decades upon decades with very little return and i don't know man i i just uh, i i loved it there's not there's nothing better there, there really is nothing better it's been so long since we've seen a good like honest sandler performances again uncut gems people love it and i, I wouldn't say i was the biggest fan of i was I was impressed by like what they did and what, what him kind of going for it in the Safdie's direction, but I wouldn't sit there and go, man, I really loved Adam Sandler in that movie. This movie, Hustle, I loved Adam Sandler. When's the last time we saw, when's the last time we got like a traditional sports movie with, you like if this comes out in 98, it's a big budget theatrical release. Like this movie yep. had some weight behind it, had all those cameos and stuff like that like feels like a traditional sports story that we would see kind of like underdog story, something like that. Like I go, like I love everybody wants some, but that's like a Richard Linklater yeah. or, you know, yeah. art, artistic art house. Yeah. Art 100%. house. Film. Um, warrior is kind of like this, but again, like, uh, you know, warrior, warrior Fox. I love warrior, but like, yeah. Yeah. you know, like in the last 15 years, you know, there's stuff like Moneyball and things like that. Like, this is just like, this is about the sports, about what's going on you know, on the court, like it's, and it's really fresh in that way. Whereas, you know, movies like this kind of came out a lot between 1980 and 2000. And even those familiar beats, like, you know, he's an underdog, he's unknown, he comes out, he faces adversity. You think he's counted out. And then at the end, you know, he pulls through, like not spoiling anything. Like those are very traditional sports movie beats but like you just said we haven't seen a traditional sports movie that feels this good to watch in two decades and that's what's so great about this yeah and to to champion what we always talk about on this show is the realism is out of this fucking world it feels so yeah. much like a basket like so much like this could happen they're the touch of it like and it helps that Adam Sandler is boys with literally everyone in the NBA. And now everyone who's in the NBA involved with the NBA grew up with Adam Sandler the last 30 years. So obviously they're going to jump at these movies. I like the, the chance to do this. I mean, and like LeBron and Maverick Carter produced this movie yep. um, along with Sandler. Like, of course it was going to, they weren't going to half ass it in that regard. Although, you know, the, the last movie that LeBron was in was, was, <laughs> was certainly a choice, but I was waiting this whole movie upon first viewing it. I'm like, where's the shoe in, shoehorned in LeBron? Tanya? It's, liter- it's literally one of the best parts about the movie. Cause yep. like it or not, like he is, he is gravity 
and yep. it would it would take away from the movie if there's no LeBron, there's no Kevin Durant. Yep. There's no we get Seth, not Steph. Like yep. they they're pretty pretty deliberate with that stuff. And that's where this you know the character of Bo Cruz played by Juancho Hermandones Gomez. This is something I'm only going to try to pronounce his name once in this podcast, yeah, but same. I'll just call him Juancho from here on out. It's it's not the people that would be in his orbit throughout this process. Him going from an unknown to you know, an undrafted free agent to maybe potentially getting drafted in the combine. Durant and LeBron and Steph wouldn't be coming up and talking to him yeah. or like in the same fucking room as him. These guys don't go to the draft combine. These guys don't participate in this. They're they're on an upper echelon tier. So you're right, Kyle. I'm so glad. I was just waiting. Like when they arrive at the combine, I'm like, here we go. Like LeBron's gonna be like walking on the sideline and like, you know, do it or do his fucking powder clap thing for no reason. They're just gonna get some like stupid, like, look at me LeBron thing. You can tell how much of a LeBron LeBron fan I am by me talking about him like this. Um, and they didn't, and, and I uh, all the credit to them. I'm hoping it was because uh, LeBron was so busy, uh, you know, uh, not making the playoffs this past year that he couldn't be in this movie. Who's the best player with actual on-set lines? Because they have the the Shaq and, and Chuck thing, like, mm. but that's, I mean, they filmed that literally on the inside of the NBA set. Uh, yeah. The little video of, like, Luca when he's talking about Bo Cruz and stuff like that. I, like, as far as an actual player being around being in this orbit, it's like Tobias Harris or Chris Middleton. Yeah, I mean, I would say if it's current players, it's Tobias Harris, but you got to give it up for Dr. J. Oh, Dr. Fuck J yeah, having I like, about Dr. J. a <laughs> lot of like a lot of speaking lines in this movie. I'm like, well, that's like one of the you know twenty greatest players of all time. However, the Dr. J stuff and it's it's so apparent when he has the boa challenge at that like streetball court. He's literally shot like. It's completely separate from the crowd. And as you know, like with COVID, we're not going to risk Dr. J dying on set. For a so they have him movie. like 200 feet off camera. And it's like cut from Dr. J with a blank wall behind him to him talking to a crowd of like 50 young people. But yeah, let's just protect Dr. J at all costs yeah. in this scene. Yeah. <laughs> as far as where this ranks in the Sandler sports movies, yeah. I don't want to be too like instant reaction. I but the thing is, I think this is easily better than the longest yard of the water boy. Uh, that's exactly where I have it. So I'll start at the bottom for for number four. It'd be longest yard. Sandler has said that he took that as a payday. He said on Bill Simmons' podcast two weeks ago when he was uh, promoting this film that like they were making that movie and they offered it to me and I took it. And he's like, that movie was going to go no matter what, and I wanted to be a part of it. It wasn't a Sandler choice. It wasn't some script he hunted down. It wasn't some, like, big decision where him and his people put a lot of their weight behind it. No, they were like, here's the longest yard. Do you want to do it? And he was like, fuck yeah. yeah it doesn't so, feel like one of his comedies. It has his touches of comedy in there from what yep. he brings to that character, but it doesn't feel like him. And we talked about it. You had me on for that episode. It's a fun movie, and it's got some good moments, some great cameos, but it's not a great sports movie, and he feels like he's phoning it in a little bit. So that's number four. And number three, The Waterboy, maybe it is because we're now like in our 30s and married, but like The Waterboy just feels like a Saturday Night Live sketch that lasts way too long. Still has some very funny moments, but like this this movie would have no like life currently. No. It just feels like one of those things that hit. It's like the Wayne's Worlds and the Night at the Roxbury's of their time. Like, it was a sketch that became even bigger and got turned into a film and happened to make Sandler about $400 million back in the 90s. Incredibly successful movie. Yep. And then I would say, because I rewatched both of them recently, 
Waterboy and Hustle. I'm sorry, uh, Happy Dillmore and Hustle. I will say Happy Dillmore still narrowly edges out Hustle as the best uh, Sandler sports The movie. fact that Happy Gilmore has a legitimate claim to being the best golf movie ever, I think tips it over. The- Happy Gilmore is still really, really, really good. Really funny. Like, all the moments are still funny. It's, that's, you know, juvenile moments, but it's nowhere near as much as Waterboy. And you asked any of the golfers right now in either the PGA or Live Tour, they will say their favorite golf movie is Happy Gilmore. Can they play Happy Gilmore in Saudi Arabia, though? Because I'm, I'm not sure <laughs> I, they can show it there. I don't, I don't know if they'll, um, allow the scenes with Julie Bowen in her like corset walking around with the pictures the, of the year. Yeah, the happy, places, the happy place is, <laughs> is no can do in, in Saudi Arabia, but uh, there's not a whole lot of, well, actually, what would you say? Hall of Famer, all-star starter, or bench warmer? This one. This one is an all-star bordering on a Hall of Fame. So here's why. I have a question for you. You're the sports movie expert. Is this the single greatest collection of sports talent in one film? Well, one hundred percent. And I think the sta- I think it's not even close. I think the standard before might have been Blue Chips, because uh-huh. um, Blue Chips has Shaq and Penny, and that's still you know <laughs> thirty years later. That is still a lot of fun to see on screen. Yeah, together, of course. Which like yeah. especially the especially like because of how fleeting it was in real life. Like that's a lot of yeah. fun. Um, you know, and then like in the. Uh, like Bobby Hurley leads that fake Indiana team. And there, there's some stuff. <laughs> um, I, I really think so though, like off the top of my head, the, the talent they got for this one, like the, the sports action, I could see this being, this being considered a hall of fame movie in, you know, five, 10 years. Like, I think it's going to age really well yep. and it could age even better. Like we were talking before we recorded, there's, there's not a non-zero chance that the villain in this movie <laughs> is an all NBA player in like five years, yeah. which, which then gives it like he got game, very good basketball movie, yeah. Ray Allen, hall of fame, basketball player that, that elevates the status of that movie. And the fact that spike was like, cause Ray Allen, I think was a rookie or one, he was or, a rookie. Yeah, one uh, yeah. or two years in it the, was the summer between his rookie and uh no, he was still at UConn. I thought, I think he was in the league. I don't think he could have taken the job okay. if he was if he wasn't in That's the league. That's actually true. But That's um but the fact I mean and he was good, but the fact that he turned into a Hall of Famer I think elevates that movie and I think I mean with this there's going to be multiple future Hall of Famers who appear who appear in this movie, which is which is crazy. Because not only do they have like the Dr. J's, the Dirk Nowitzki's, the Luka Doncic's and the Trey Young's, but they highlight some really coaches assistant coaches nba sideline guys street ball players like you know the, the professor, professor from the n1 mixtape tour like he's one of the biggest like basketball personalities on instagram and tiktok like no matter what you think about that brand and him like th- this is going to go down and people are going to look back and go who the hell is that guy he was that big and they had him for this movie for like two scenes and a training montage that is fucking unbelievable uh I not to sidetrack us, but I actually played in the N one open run for the N one mixtape tour in the parking lot of the United Center when I was in high school in Chicago, and I got dumped on. I was about by to say, did guy. you get embarrassed? Oh yeah, and uh, the uh, that clip may exist somewhere on an ESPN show that they did called Streetball, which followed um, <laughs> that tour. So I'm like. 
13 or 14 year old jr hippies getting dumped on somewhere like on some dvd <laughs> folks if, if anyone can find that clip i will give you like three months on the patreon free i'll give you six months on the patreon free if you can if you can find that clip because that would be i don't sick. think i've actually told anybody that <laughs> just just like i just kind of let it come out i am i'm back to podcasting why not man that's god i would love to see that uh <laughs> There's not really any IMDb trivia. The only the only interesting part I pulled from that is the original plot description said that Adam Sandler's main character finds a phenomenal street ball player in China. Uh, mm. According to an interview with Dan Patrick, Sandler stated that due to pressure from Netflix, which as of the development of this movie does not do business in China, location has now been changed to Spain. I think that's a good call, and I think yep, I think language barrier a lot to do with that, um, and not I mean. It's more more people in this country speak Spanish, like which yes. and, and it's I think the the whole European thing and I think if um, I think if he had found a player in China, the whole thing the whole movie what hangs over this is Yao Ming, and it would be we'd hear a lot of oh is the next Yao Ming the next because that's still the the standard there. Yeah, Yao Ming would have to have a cameo, but I think even bigger and let's just take all the like political China stuff out of it is like if there was some sensational basketball talent in china china would let the world know about it and he wouldn't be like unknown for very long yeah he, like, China's he'd be, very he would good be in the government for, he he would be yeah, in the yeah. their like olympic committee like yeah yep. it wouldn't it wouldn't be like adam sandler's just walking down the street and finds like a phenom in downtown shanghai that kid will have been like <laughs> i can't i'm not gonna say it that kid will have been uh, created by China <laughs> and, and and elevated and highlighted for everyone to see. So there's no way anyone was missing that. So yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad too. Um, I think they do a really good job of like, especially in that first introduction to uh, Bo Cruz, like that kind of sweaty working class like uh, street ball game that he's playing. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of Spain at night. Like, have you ever been to Spain? Like. They siesta during the day and the evening start at like 11 p.m. So like the idea of like a full tilt basketball game happening at like whatever time that is, is like not that far removed from reality in my opinion. And we as fans, there is still a, because again, you couldn't have, it obviously couldn't, you couldn't be an American kid because at the same, like kid would have been discovered like long, mm-hmm. you know, someone, someone long lean like that with those kind of skills gets discovered. Someone, you know, gets put in the AAU grindhouse, whatever it is, like some coach, you know, either takes the kid under their wing or, you know, is irresponsible and turns the kid into a cash cow. Um, (laughs) There's, there's still the kind of, even now, even, you know, 25 years post Dirk, there's still the appeal of like the long, the, the European unicorn. Yep. You know, from Luca to Porzingis, we get a Bargani reference in this movie. Yep. Like that sort of thing has has the appeal. It feels like, oh yeah, you can pull this kid out, and it's not. It's also not. They they mention he mentions that it. it's like, oh, he's the next Giannis. He's the next freak. But like this guy's a lot more refined. Giannis started playing basketball when he you know when he like in his late teens. Like it's even a different yep. thing than that. Um, so you could. It also feels like more of a risk yes. because those players usually pan out at a at a lesser level than like a you know like a homegrown AAU guy. Those guys are usually boom or bust. There aren't a lot of like you know lanky uh, unicorn European like role players in the NBA. Now Juancho Hermandonez, however you say it, 
is one of those, but he's one of very few. So it is very much like they have this whole plot at the beginning where like the Sixers want to draft this kid Haas played by uh, Mo Wagner who plays for the Orlando Magic. And he looks great over in Germany, but when he comes to the NBA, he just like doesn't have it, doesn't have the intangibles, doesn't have the fire. And I think that's very accurate. I think some of those games don't translate to the American game and they do a really good job of showing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean... Roll that into the the most authentic part of this movie. Let's do most authentic, yeah. least authentic. I think I think just on on its face, kind of what we talked about, the basketball in this movie is the best basketball to ever be put onto film. That's not like that that isn't you know the Last Dance. Like it's literally literally the best. It's incredible. That's the only thing you can say. Literally all the hoops action. Every single person who touches a basketball, it is very clear that they have a moderate to high to professional level of experience with the game. It's also shot like a professional basketball game. Even these like runs in the high school and pick up, you know, games on, on the street ball courts. It has these perfect cuts, these long, smooth tracking shots as players run down the court. I, I genuinely like was struggling with this category, Kyle, because I'm like, I don't really know what to nitpick about like what was wasn't authentic yeah. about the sports action. Yeah, I mean, there's some some stuff. It, it's easy to just say the basketball was authentic. There's some other really yeah. authentic, realistic parts. Uh, ultra rich kid being a piece of shit. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That I mean, the the feeling when Sandler tells him like calls him you know born on third, don't want to work for a you know born on third base, whatever is like. That's such a great therapeutic insult. therapeutic. Um, and then in a, in a realistic sense of this isn't really sports related, but in one of the, I guess the rawest conversations in the movie Cruz and, and Sandler are in the car. And basically the concept of one moment that takes happens in 10 seconds, just fucking your entire life up, which has happened to these yep. guys. Like very yep. like, Oh, that just punched me in the gut. Cause that is absolutely something yeah. that can happen. Give some emotional weight to like two characters who already have a lot like riding on this and just makes it even more like harrowing. I will say, back to like more least realistic when it comes to the sports, we see Bo Cruz blocked shots about 80 times, and every one of them is like a sports center top 10, like highlight reel, like pinning the ball, swatting it off the backboard. I don't know, maybe this is just like the hoops nerd in me, but like I think it's supposed to signify that he has like great defensive instincts and his crazy wingspan, but they could have shown that with just like some pickoffs and some tipped balls and stuff. It would have been much harder to choreograph that and make it look natural. But at one point I was like, I think that's like the 16th Bo Cruz block off the backboard I've seen in this first. It's hour. also a lot of guys. He's, he's much taller than, I mean the, yes. the Bo like Wancho and Anthony Edwards, that's a five inch height difference. They were probably, he's probably yep. not guarding him. Uh, much yeah. Better. But I have something actually kind of glaring for the least realistic part of this movie. Let's hear it. So we we already were told that that Kermit Willis, aka Anthony Edwards, has locked up number two, is a lock to go number two. And they even yep. mentioned that the reason he's out there is he, you know, he thinks he should go number one. There's there's no fucking way he's grinding no. his ass off and all no. these he's at the combine, he's at the pre-draft yeah. pickup games. He is a pot Achilles away from missing out yep. on like twenty million dollars and the max gain is like one and a half million, maybe difference between yep. difference between number one pick, number two pick. Like I mean, he's he's coasting at that point. Yeah. It it, it would be a little more realistic, let's be honest, if he was like, Oh, he's the number six player overall, and he's trying to bust in the top five. It's a very little tweet, and I, and I, I do kind of agree with you there. 
Kyle, like, his people, his agents, his managers are like, you're just going to sit here in an ice bath and watch these games. Yeah. You're not allowed to even set foot on that court. Yeah. And also, as you know, like, oftentimes the number two overall guy is picked number one because the number one team did spooked or there was, you know, a medical report team. Just something happens that, like, he could very easily just become the number one overall pick. Because the thing is, there's literally no questions about him. He, yeah. he's, he's locked in at number two. It's not like I was looking like, you know who didn't go to the combine? Anthony Edwards didn't, didn't go to the combine and then went 1-1. And, you know, and James Wiseman that year didn't go yep. to the combine. You know who did? Yep. LaMelo Ball because there were questions because he was coming from Australia like a guy like yep. Bo Cruz. So they needed to just give like one question about – yeah, about Kermit with just something that he's got to answer other than he just wants to be number one. Because like, <laughs> if the only reason he's there is I want to be number one, his agent, his people, his parents, everyone would be, that's too damn bad. Number two <laughs> sounds great. <laughs> it's a really great point, Tal. It, it, it hadn't occurred to me until we brought it up. Like, just being like, just that one sentence, just add it. You know, he, he struggles uh, with making his teammates better. You know, people... Coaches think he might have an attitude problem, so he just wants to go out there and show everyone that he doesn't, and just something like that. Those aren't really the best, well thought out, you know, uh, ideas. But a, a writer's room of people at Netflix could come up with something better. Yeah. And speaking of like added, like potentially an attitude problem, that's a big theme with Bo Cruz in this movie. Is like, is yeah. he too, you know, does he have too much of a temper? Is past and stuff like that. Do you realize what this movie is? This movie is trouble with the curve if it was done properly. Oh. God. <laughs> it's it's literally trouble with the curve if it was done properly. If this is, is trouble with the curve, if trouble with the curve was made by baseball people, like it's it's the same. It's like a scout. He's trying to find this guy. He's telling a team that this guy does like. I mean, the the idea, the genesis of for trouble with the curve, trouble with the curve could have been a good movie, and it's, I, it's just bad. My heart goes out to your wife because the amount of times in a month you must just suddenly implode about trouble with the curve at something completely <laughs> innocuous. Like like the guy the guy at the auto repair shop said, it's going to be another week. And you're like, this is just like trouble with the curve. And you just blow up and she has to like lead you out of there. <laughs> just... It's going to be like, I'm going to be on my deathbed, hopefully, when I'm yeah. very, very old. And just be like, I can't believe they fucked that movie up. <laughs> Like it's surrounded by surrounded by like surrounded by loved ones, loved ones, yes. and just been like, can you guys believe that they fucked up Trouble with the Curve that badly? <laughs> um, let's take a quick ad break, and then we'll get back with what worked. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. 
Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. So, uh, getting into what worked about this one. Uh, we, we fawned over it a lot, but, you know, we've talked about the basketball. We've talked about uh, Sandler, the passion behind this one. What else stands out for you? Why Why is this one that, I, I dare say, like, instant classic territory. Instant, yes. definitely in the sports movie lexicon is something we're going to revisit a lot. It's, for me, it's Wancho's performance. It feels so authentic. Obviously, we talked about this earlier, but, like, him being a foreign-born player means he has to do more with less which he pulls off. He's kind of got this stoic, quiet sadness about him, which works. If this movie was made in the 90s, the Bo Cruz character would be like a stereotypical chatterbots kid from the ghetto who like doesn't have a father figure and fights too much. And like Sandler and him would have all this like comedic rapport and Sandler would show him like the you know the, the way or something like that, and it, it it would work in a way, but this just works so much better because of the direction the NBA is headed, and because of like the world we live in. This is really the only way this could happen: some quiet, tall, brooding construction worker on the streets of Spain, not what we talked about, which is like the AAU phenom that is the Anthony Edwards character. Yeah, I thought he was really good. He's not asked to do, a, he's not asked to like carry a ton of weight, but everything he's yep. asked to do, he does it really well. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think he's really effective. The scenes with him as a father, actually both both Wancho and Sandler, their their dad moments are really good because Sandler is like corny older dad. Um, mm-hmm. Wancho's got his younger daughter. Like it's really, really effective. Um, I think the movie does. The scene, a, the scene where Sandler brings Wancho's or, Bo Cruz's family to the draft combine and he sees his daughter in the pool and he just jumps in that, you know, I don't have a, a kid, but like that tugged on my oh, heart. Yeah. A lot, lot of great dads in this movie. Uh, <laughs> yeah. A lot, a lot of great, great dads. It does a good job. Uh, the intro setting up that scouting is a tough life, tough life mm-hmm. on you, your family, that sort of thing. And your body. I, and I think exactly. And I think that sort of thing goes does a lot of legwork with people who don't watch as much professional sports or aren't as in tune to that because being a scout being a scout in any sport is a very rough life you're around you're away from your family for a long time and especially in the nba that game is worldwide um yep. you know the nfl you're at least sticking domestically baseball you know a lot of times domestically sometimes you're in you know the latin america same hemisphere yeah yeah but uh yeah i mean you know you it sets that up really well and like why him it's not just it, it it it's not just that being the bench coach or being a coach is his dream. It's also it, it also gives you the the family aspect of like, man, he's he's missed his daughter's last nine birthdays. Like they it, it's really important that they set it up that way, really effective. He's a lifer. Like he's it's almost like a life sentence. Like it's you know, it's, he he loves the game so much that he's kind of imprisoned by it and he's kind of chosen this life for himself and he has this family that they don't suffer from it, but they definitely don't benefit from it until until the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Does a good job giving us unlikable enemies too. Not and yes. but not not too unlikable. Not like um not cartoonish. Like yep. Ben Foster, I mean honestly a a great decision in a movie where a lot of the weight is either carried by Sandler who's one of our more famous actors, you know, celebrities of the, the past 30 years is a capable actor. But most everyone else who's carrying weight besides maybe like Queen Latifah are fairly inexperienced. They're athletes like Kenny Anderson's carrying some weight in this movie. Yep. But it's yep. Kenny Smith. Kenny Smith. Yeah. Kenny Smith. Yep. 
we get uh but we get Ben Foster who can fucking do anything to he really play, play this play this rich asshole. Like I what's your quintessential Ben Foster? It's a good one. <sighs> Wasn't he in the first X Men? I no, he's in the third X Men. He's uh he's, he's the third Angel. X-Men. Angel, thank you. Yes. So, so no, it's not that. I, I, just, I go I'm back just... to. Uh, I always think hell or high water. I think that. He's... So no, hell or high water is like the perfect unhinged, like end of his rope, nothing to lose. Foster performance, and that's kind of what he embodies in every performance. This he plays like this kind of snaky. Like he's on his phone every time someone's talking to him. He's not making eye contact with them. He's a rich kid. I love the born on third base insult that uh, uh, Sugarman throws at him. The the thing, and I don't I don't know if we're moving on to like what didn't work, but like what didn't work about the Foster character, and then just like the Citrus organization as a whole, is them just completely flat out dismissing Bo Cruz as a prospect. That's the multiple one, times. That's the one hang up here. So let's talk about just the metrics in general of this, or like how so they send out. I don't. I I think, and I got the vibe from the character that he was legitimately sending him out. Because he need he needed him scouting, that he actually yep. actually values him at a scout. He realizes that he's he's fucked up the Mo, Mo Wagner pick or the the Haas pick or whatever, and he's and and they do a good job of setting up. Hey, we have the Hawks pick, like they set up. We've got this good team. I mean, we they've got the actual team they've yep. got. Um, no no Ben Simmons mentioned in this movie by the way, which is interesting. No Joel Embiid either, which I think probably they, would have made they sense. They mention him at least, yeah. and he takes the yeah. tip at the end because it's an actual. Oh, I'm, I missed that. It's an actual okay. game. He's taking the tip, but it's interesting. He's not in the huddle when they film it, which is kind of yeah, yeah, kind of interesting. So they mentioned that you know sense of urgency. We've got, we you know we've got to we've got to find this player, and the one thing that I think they could have said that would have made it feel a little different. Cause he, he brings him if they value him as a, as a talent evaluator and brings in, Hey, this kid's, this kid's it, this kid's great. You would see more. Hey, yeah, we, we see something here. If you see it, but we need someone now we're not. And so my thing with this and my biggest question is what is Stanley wanting them to do? They have this top draft pick They They have a lottery pick. They have the Hawks lottery pick. Are you yep. wanting to, I, I don't understand pushing them to take this unknown. Why not stash him, get yep. him into the draft as a nobody and like take him with your first, second round pick. And you can say, yeah, you know, and I understand that Stanley has the desire of like, I got to find this, this plug in play guy who can take us to the next level so I can get back on the bench. But if you're the Sixers, it's just like, okay, well, Stanley likes this guy. Stanley, we're going to draft him the second round. We're going to send him to the G League. We're going to keep his rights or even set him up in a league in Spain because you can do that. Yep. And yep. But you got to stay out there, man. And maybe the thing is then Stanley is pushing him to, no, this is, this is the guy. This is the guy who's going to get us there. It's probably the biggest suspension of disbelief you have to have in this movie is all of these people seeing this kid light it up in the first half of this scrimmage or the, and then all these videos that Stanley's putting together and, and sending out, look, he made 44 of 53 pointers. He's a lengthy seven foot kid with handles, a jumper, and he's only 22 years old. And literally Vin, who, you know, is the owner of the, or co-owner of the Sipsers played by Ben Foster is like, nah, we'll pass on that kid. We won't even like fly him out. We won't even pay for his ticket or a hotel room. Like, that is just any 
general manager or owner worth their salt would take a flyer exactly. on him. Exactly. It's a literal Kyle. fucking bonus. It's it's <laughs> like it, Stanley says he's the next Giannis. It is literally like if they found Giannis and they're the only ones who know about it. Because Giannis still went like, what, 15 or 16? Yep. Bo Cruz could have literally gone 60th. You could have like entered his name in the draft, traded back up to 60 to draft him yep. and have his rights. Hundred percent. So yeah, I, I I don't have the answer for what their strategy was. For I think it just is simplified storytelling, and this kid needs to be at top of the draft now, and nobody believes in him except for Stanley Shuderman. Sadly, there's there's one other thing in that they're trying to find. They've got this lottery pick. They're they're like we we've got to nail it. Got to nail it. We're sending our A scout to Europe to try to find people. Like odds are, your pick is going to be a domestic player. There's yeah, like one 100%. to two foreign guys who go in the top 10, just depending on the year. Like odds are Stanley, if that's your, that's your guy, he's, he's going to the NCAA tournament. He's going to ACC games. He's going to watch Duke. Yep. He's going to watch Gonzaga. Like that's the other thing where it's like, you're just sending, like he's, he's chasing his tail out in Spain. Like the guy he's going to see isn't even there. Maybe that's the point. Maybe it is a fool's errand that Vin is sending him on. Is he never really respected Stanley Sugarman? It was his father who did. And like, he just basically wants him off the bench because he wants to run the team his own way. I, I don't know, I don't know the solution to it. it. It is a little messy, but the movie does a job of like kind of yada yada in it and like you just kind of being along for the ride. Yeah, and it's it's actually kind of objectively better once we've got this big Vin dismissal and it we get into the it's it's kind of it's Sandler and Bo Cruz against the world basically He's trying to train him up yep. and we've got. We've got our objective. Like he's not going to, you know, the Sixers aren't drafting this guy. He's got to convince someone to draft this guy. Like, I think that's when the movie really picks up. And like that stuff is so enjoyable. The training, the, the building of the relationship between them. Like it's, it's really, really good. Can I do one thing for, uh, what didn't land or what didn't work? Oh yeah. Um, so Adam Sandler's previous on-screen love interests in his past films have been Jennifer Aniston, Brooklyn Decker, Selma Hayek, Kate Beckinsale. I think we see a pattern here. Um, Sandler's marriage in this movie to Queen Latifah, who just recently, as recently as last year, came out as a proud gay woman who has a partner and a son, didn't really work for me. It just kind of felt like they were like old college roommates or something like that. It's funny parents. you mentioned that the because it's it's long been the joke about Sandler and that he continues yep. to cast himself alongside these women who would not be into a a schlub like him. And then it kind of goes he kind of goes the opposite way where yeah. um you know they you're right they do have more of a buddy chemistry. I mean what is what's the Sandler pairing? I guess Drew Barrymore like that's the yeah. pairing that most feels yeah. like they could be a couple. Yeah, I think I think if, if we're being realistic, but we're not going to have Drew Barrymore in a movie about hoops, and she's like, you know, you know, a receptionist or something like that, living in the. I don't think she has those acting chops in her. I just, I had, I have no issues with her being a woman of color or like a, an ex athlete, anything like that. I just think like the actual chemistry that they had felt a little strange to me. That's now I will. I, say, I'll agree because I, I actually I liked Queen Latifah in the role. Like I thought she, yes. I thought she was funny. I, you yep. know, but it did. I, I didn't see them as a you know married and hey, it implies that they've been married for like twenty plus years. You and I have only been married for a couple years. Maybe that's what we're we're shooting for there. Who knows? Yep. Yeah, they seem happy, right? Like she she calls him fat like three or four times. I guess if I'm that overweight and just like hucking down Arby's on the road, my I would want my wife to call me fat. But there is one thing I did notice that he does or doesn't do. 
He never lies to his wife. Never. Every single time something new happens, like him having to foot the bill for Botrus or like him bringing Botrus over and not telling the Citrus, he comes right home and he tells her. And she has a, you know, she reacts, you know, emotionally or, or whatever. But as you know, Kyle, you never lie to your wife because she will find out. <laughs> she will absolutely find out. <laughs> You mentioned uh, you mentioned the food and her call her calling him fat a lot. There's something that worked for me, and I don't know if it like works to this movie, but it just works for me personally. Eating a forty dollar tomahawk steak, like holding the bone, eating it like a piece of fried chicken, is a dream for me. Awesome! Like I I, awesome. I, I want to do that so badly. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you could just you know throw a baseball and hit a couple tomahawk steaks out your front door down there in San Antonio. I live uh, I live a minute away from what Texas Monthly has called one of the top nine meat markets in the state. So, wow. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good good meat situation over here. Um, any Anything else that worked, didn't work? I mean, we've talked about the basketball, the cameos giving this legitimacy. Um, you know, just... Uh, it just... Sandler's so in his bag. Like... You can just tell when he's cooking with something that he really, really loves. That's that's it. Like that's that's what kind of what we were saying at the beginning. Like this is a movie about the NBA. This is a love letter to the NBA, and Adam Sandler is the author. Like he is just he's just showing us how much he loves it. And I love the NBA, so I'm in love with this movie. Yeah, yeah. Let's uh, let's go into best scene. I tried. I went in with the goal of I'm. I'm just gonna pick a couple. I've, I've been trying mm-hmm. to pare down because in past episodes, it's like it feels like we've talked about every single scene. This was very difficult because yes. I, I. I mean, just running through it chronologically, like starting out the really the only kind of front officey type scene we get is the the debate over Haas, where it's like, oh, right mm-hmm. away, Ben Foster's a dick. Um, and I have it in my notes here. This is trouble with the curve, but smart. Oh my God. But so Sandler is explaining and like to put it in baseball terms, baseball, there's some more like some organization, especially like the Astros fired a bunch of scouts or laid off a bunch of scouts or whatever and went heavy analytical. The mm-hmm. things that scouts know Sandler is, is expressing all of these. And that's why I love the scene. He's expressing like, the guy's work ethic. The team is better without him. He's slow on rotations. He shows up late. Like he mentions, yep. like you know, when the guy's like, "Oh, he could be the next." You know, everyone's saying he's the next Dirk. Sailor's like, "Dirk was, you know, the first one to the gym." This guy's late for warmups, like things like that. Like he stresses the importance of why this guy knows his shit and why being a scout is more than just seeing if a guy has length and can shoot. The intangibles. Yes. Yes. It's I, I love I love that scene. I I, I and, knew we were in for a good movie in that scene. I was like, they're getting the basketball exactly right. And apparently, that was shot in a perfect replica of the Philadelphia 76ers scouting room. Like it is like down to the giant giant whiteboard that like borders the desk, and like all the actual NBA people that were there were like, this is a carbon copy. Pretty cool. That is that is the room that drafted Jaleel Okafor. That room right there. <laughs> um, the discovery of of Bo Cruz. Great, yeah, that's one of my favorite. Great scenes. Spain street ball scene. Balling in boots. His <laughs> dogs have got to be barking. Yeah, cargo shorts. You know he doesn't have any insoles in. My heels. Oh my god. My plantar fasciitis. I wouldn't. I'd be limping to that bus. Get this guy that. some Doctor Scholes. But that scene is. I mean they do a good job of good casting choice. Like 
casting a guy who's six nine, who's long as fuck, like he yep. he he looks good on camera. Like you go to an yep. NBA game and like everyone's a great athlete, everyone looks good, but there are some dudes that just look the part in a different way. And he he pops on the screen in that regard. Like even if you're not a basketball savant, you can tell like this guy has has something special. Well, and that scene does a really good job of two things. One, it doesn't first start focusing on Bo Cruz. It's just Sandler's watching a bunch of guys playing ball, and then all of a sudden, this tall, lanky white dude with tattoos just starts to like do little things, and like it starts to like build. And he and we watch Stanley like starting to put the pieces together. Stanley as a character. As he watches all of these scrimmages, all of these guys work out, he kind of talks to himself, and it reminds me of what I do when I watch basketball. I'm just like, oh, look out. There it is. He's open. You're just kind of taught, and it's like, it's so realistic because that's what I think a lot of sports fans do. You're not really talking to anybody outside of, like, you want to react to what's going on, so you say shit, and he does a great job of that. Yeah, and that, I mean, that whole extended scene, it goes from that to him on the bus to him eventually in the apartment. And learning about yeah. it, it's really this extended thing that is extremely effective. Um, you you find yourself rooting for Bo Cruz very easily when you, you meet his mom, you meet his daughter. Um, you kind of understand where he comes from in that. Like, it's really, really good. Um, the the pre-draft scrimmage where we get introduced to to Anthony Edwards. Uh, the it's It's really good. Uh, really, 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 I mean, just all the basketball is good. And I mean, and this one gives you the quitting scene. It's basically Anthony Edwards kind of gets in his head a little bit and, yeah, and that whole thing. But it's, it's when the basketball really gets rolling because we've seen, we've seen some scrimmages. We've seen Bo Cruz in, uh, you know, in, in the Spain pickup game. And then suddenly all the basketball from here on out for the most part is elite level players playing with each other. And that's kind of our first yeah. taste. Like Anthony Edwards looks really good at basketball. Cause Anthony Edwards is really good at basketball. Yeah. I, I don't want to step on your Lenny Harris award, but this, this is a hell of a performance by Anthony Edwards. Great. I think he's currently 20 years old. So when they filmed this, what he was, he 18 or 19. Yeah. Not only does he have swagger, but he just kind of has that perfect evil devilish look he puts on. He's like talking about like, Bo Cruz's mother under his breath and his daughter doing it. That is like the perfect amount of like, you know, motherfucker that's going to get in your head during a game. And him and uh, Juancho Hermandones are longtime friends and teammates for like the past three or four years. Oh, shit. Where's her mama? Oh, okay. I see what's going on. That's your mom. Hey, is it legal to have a kid with your mom, Miss Man? Because we don't roll like that over here. Hey, I know you hear me. Hey. It looks so easy for him too. Yep. Like yep. it does not look like because we've seen athletes act and not be very good, and this is so. You know, I go back like Penny and Blue Chips. Like he looks like he's trying yep. really hard. Looks like he's focusing really hard. <laughs> this is this is effortless. And like Anthony Edwards, really gregarious guy. He's always got an entertaining quote. Um, he's, I mean, every scene he's in is is dynamo. Between the pre-draft scrimmage, the combine. And then that gym game at the end, like anytime he's on screen, it's, it's magnetic. I also want to give a not give a shot, but like draw a little attention to that final run at the high school gym, because this is like this super underground thing where all these NBA superstars show up to. I just kind of love the idea of one of these things happening 
you do hear about it on social media. You don't see a lot of footage from these things, but and I'm not talking about like that perfectly shot footage of LeBron James taking jumpers at like a fucking LA fitness, but instead <laughs> like a run that is NBA and draft town at a high school in the Bronx. Like that is so cool to me that those types of things could come together. Yeah. Now whether or not it's 100% realistic is kind of you know up to your imagination. Yeah, it was one of the during. Uh... During the pandemic, when baseball was shut down, there was there's I think it was in the athletic. They wrote a story. Basically, a bunch of guys like Max Scherzer, a bunch of guys of that quality, basically had pickup baseball games, stuff like yeah, that. It's that's awesome. It's really, really fun to think about NBA guys doing that again. What the fuck is Kermit Willis doing in a, like in a pickup <laughs> gym game right before the NBA draft? <laughs> catching lobs and dunking backwards if you want to like, you want to run up and down the court and shoot some shots sure but like he's going hard in the paint it's just it's so fucking dangerous yeah yeah what yeah what'd you think about um the the boa challenge part of the movie the all the pickup games and and, and stuff like that and like i see the hey let's use social media to get him into the combine and stuff and but all these like i go back to the video of Brian Scalabrini just fucking that guy yeah. up in a lifetime fitness. Yeah. Like if you're an NBA caliber player, you're going to beat every single guy at your local, your local uh, court. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that's probably what the inspiration was of those Scalabrini videos, but I think that is one of the areas I would want to improve or change the movie is I could have just done without the, I mean, okay. It's great that Stanley Sugarman has this daughter, daughter character for him to like focus on, but the daughter having the brilliant idea to make Bo Cruz go viral was a little too predictable to me. And the whole time he was struggling to get into the draft, I literally said out loud, I think to my first wife, okay, here's the part where he goes viral. <laughs> and then like, it happens like 10 minutes later. And all that scene made me think, Kyle, which it's shot incredibly. You see like all the different phones, all the different like um, platforms. It just made me think there's just too much social media out there. Yeah. Like, you and I are, are, you know, we have the sickness. We're stuck to it because of these jobs that we have. But, like, I'm just like, God damn, there are too many avenues for people to watch shit like this. And uh, it, it just made me sad. It also gave us, objectively, our worst acting performance. Uh, Luca is just yes, is not yes. good. <laughs> Wooden and, like, he, that was probably his, like, 50th take. I too. will say like Eng you know. English is his second language, but he, yeah. he, he sure manages to spout out words when he wants to after he gets a foul, so... <laughs> Oh, Cruz, where'd this guy come from? I want him on my team or <laughs> something like that. It's like, whoa, that's a, that's a lot. Yeah. You could have just been like, you could have just made an expression, right? Like where'd this guy come from? Yeah. I don't you know. needed, you needed to get him in, in the combine somehow. The one thing with the combine, he has the great scrimmage. And then like Anthony Edwards, again, like just what a motherfucker, like waving to the guy's <laughs> daughter. I mean, listen, like MJ is probably watching would would probably watch that and be like, I love this. I love that. I, wish, <laughs> I love this. I guy. wish I would trade no. MJ's like, I wish I like I mean, uh who I think I think it was Gary Payton who would do shit like that, would just like look yep, up people, yep. you know. Jalen Rose in the Fab Five would say like he would he would research the guys he was playing so he could like talk to them about their girlfriends and stuff. Like yep, I yep, mean Anthony Edwards King shit, I still feel like so after the combine, after he like borderline assaults Anthony Edwards. <laughs> listen we know how sports work if yeah. he had impressed that many guys and it was clearly a one-on-one -on -one between him and the number two pick in the draft guess what he's still getting drafted it I, takes I, that's, one that's, team interviews it takes it takes him convincing one guy that he's like i yeah. can fix him the, 
They say it in the movie, but Ron Artest beat up a whole stadium of people. There's been, you know, it's not the NFL, but there have been plenty worse offenses that have gotten guys drafted. You know what I mean? It's it's incredible. And all he also, all he also has to do, and Stanley can help him with this, is just be like, you know, my man Bo Cruz here comes from like, you know, single father. Uh, Kermit crossed the line. He apologizes. You know what I mean? He, he waved at his daughter. Look at the footage right here of him doing that. Yeah, that's, like that. Like, that's the thing. Because a lot of the combine, same with like the NFL draft, a lot of it is those interviews. You're you're interviewing yep. with all these teams. They want to get a feel for you, who they are as a person. And if Bo Cruz goes in the team interview and they're like, he's like, yeah, you know, I've been raising this daughter since I was like 14 years old. And Kermit Willis was like waving at her and talking about uh, being her stepfather. They're like, <laughs> oh yeah, you know, I can, I can see where that would get under your skin a little bit. Again, it only, that's the thing with the, if you have talent, it just takes one team. Don't even have to, yeah. don't have like the Sixers are out on him. Some other teams would probably be like, yeah, we're probably not going to take him. Just takes one. So he, he still definitely gets drafted. The 76ers currently employ James Harden, who might have one of the worst attitudes of any professional <laughs> athlete. And I, he's, I think he's earned $200 million from them. I think they'll they'll be okay with Bo Cruz's little temper tantrum. Yeah, yeah. What is what is the best scene in this movie? Uh, uh, it's the it's honestly the training montage for me. So usually a training montage in a movie, as you know, sports movie, three to four minutes max. And you see a vast improvement, right? You see him start and not be able to do a drill and end and he can kill the drill. This training montage is like 15 minutes Might long. Might be the longest training montage in sports movie history. It starts with him running this hill, this like impossible two-mile hill in downtown Philly, struggling, not even completing it in six, seven minutes. And then we watch him work on his conditioning, his footwork. He's in the weight room. He's doing ball handling drills, ball handling drills with contact. Contact while he finishes... And then finally, you get him running the hill and getting the Rocky homage at the end by Literally running up the Literally, even saying Rocky and doing the yeah. doing the yeah. thing in Philly. It it gave me the chills, and it also just kind of made me not smile, but like, man, you can do these really well. Like, it shows like they put in a ton of work in only a month's time. You know, Stanley Sherman's there every single day, every single morning, making him run that hill, and they're the, Bo Cruz is putting in the work. Bo Cruz deserves to get this, is what is what I thought, and as opposed to like. Some movies which just kind of gloss over the fact that he's been working really hard. Yeah. I they they establish why this guy is getting better. Mm-hmm. Which is really, really important. Um I'm ha- admittedly very tough time picking picking the best scene. There's so much good basketball that the basketball is so entertaining. Yeah. Like the like the training montage is really good. It's really long. The the pre-draft scrimmage is good the the pre-combine scrimmage is good yep the yep. one it's the first one where anthony edwards gets under his skin and then it ends with stanley quitting that's yep that's that's good if you if you loop those in together but like you know i like the combine um you know the gym game basically starts with stanley running to get him at the airport we get a little rom-com moment running <laughs> to get him at the airport this movie also might have the best end credits of all time because you know holy shit they had 67 nba players and personalities in the movie a lot i didn't even notice until they called it out and it's like i gotta watch this again because i gotta see if i can catch all these guys it's it's incredible yeah i think i'm going with the pre the pre pre combine scrimmage gave me the most like pit my stomach with the Mm -hmm. with the basketball you're so nervous for him 
Um, yeah. I, I do. And you know it's not going to go well. I, you know that, like, well, this isn't going to go perfectly. He's going to get drafted after this. We have an hour and a half left of this. Yeah, movie. exactly. Because dickhead Ben Foster is there. Um, <laughs> best quote. Best quote in this oh, movie. God. Uh, er, you know, there, there's two for me that really stand out. Uh, the kiss my fat ass and fuck your five-star hotels. Uh, yep. First uttered by Queen Latifah is telling, telling Sandler to do that. And then he actually does it with his quitting. And then um, <laughs> Bo Cruz's mom, he says, oh, no, he moved to Portugal with whore. <laughs> like, <laughs> which, which, like, that feels like it's out of a, out of a 2000 Sandler movie. Yeah, it is. And he's like, Mama, the Nina. And she's like, oh, she knows. <laughs> it's fucking fervent. Um, Stanley Sugarman cursing out Bo while he's shooting jumpers at the beginning of the training montage in Spanish. He says in Spanish, get fucked by a fish, dumbass, while Bo is shooting. And like, Bo just laughs. I was just, I started dying laughing at that subtitle. Because like, first off, Sandler, one of the best at just delivering funny, kind of off-the-cuff, improv type lines. Um, another one I'll say is he goes up to Bo's hotel room, wakes him up, confronts him about the porn usage and goes, it's just kind of a throwaway line, Kyle, but he goes, all right, all right, downstairs, five minutes. We'll have fun. Trying to whack off while I'm gone. It's just so funny. Like he just does a really good job of like kind of throwing it over his shoulder and like, you see Bo like smile in bed. Stuff like that. It kind of reminds me of big daddy. Like a lot of, he has a lot of just kind of like thrown away lines of, you know, uh, stuff in that it's kind of the same relationship with, except with a grown ass man. Um, yeah. Anthony Edwards also, uh, Olay bitch. That's great. Just King. It's so King good. shit talker. I hope he brings in some of these lines next season. Yeah. Lenny Harris pinch hitter award. Best supporting character. It, Before, I, I, I want to roll into some nominees though. Okay. Someone do, we have, someone first. we haven't talked about at all. Robert Duvall, Robert Duvall. It's yes. just great. <laughs> just great to see him. It's great to see him. Just, Chopping it up in a Sandler, in a Happy Madison production. It's fucking one of the greatest actors years of our old. time. Ninety-one years <laughs> old, and and we get we get two scenes with Robert Duvall. Yeah, um, awesome. Yeah, we talked about Ben Foster. Got to shout out Jaleel White. He doesn't really get anything to do, but it was great to see him too. Good to see Ertel still getting some money. Yeah, I think he's made plenty of money in his in his time. Where were you at on Heidi Gardner? So apparently, she's like one of the biggest vocal sports fans. Like Is she's she from Kansas City? Yes, that's yes. awesome. Kansas City and like has adopted the Knicks as her basketball team because she's on SNL, as longtime SNL person. But like, I, I saw an interview with her on Sports Center, and she knows her shit. She was obviously promoting this movie. It, it, you know, it's clear she knows her shit. It it feels if you don't know that though, like a weird stunt casting, like you know, oh, an SNL alum hiring a current SNLer well, just to give her some shine. So that's the thing. I like, I root for anyone on SNL to find their way after that show because it's, it's sometimes yeah. it's a tough thing for people to overcome. And it's kind of a shame when someone is pretty prominent on SNL, just can't translate it into the next level, essentially. Sure. sure. Um, the thing with Heidi Gardner is she's always playing such like a, a zany character. It seems like yeah. it's, it's, I, I, and, and this might just be a total me thing. Like it's hard. It was hard watching her and like not accept, expecting her to break or say something funny, yeah. which is, yeah. is something yeah. anytime, anytime a comedic actor takes, you know, takes a serious role, like that happens. And this is a pretty serious yeah. role. And like in retrospect, I think upon another watch, like once it's, you know, it's not coming, she's not going to break. Like she's good and she's easy to root for. And it's good to have, it's good to know that someone in the Sixers organization is in Stanley's corner too. So she's kind of a comforting presence. 
Yeah, 100%. So I don't, I didn't think much of her in this, but you know, it's worth shouting her out. I, she's definitely not the uh, Lenny Harris pinch hitter award though. No, no. Um, last nominee before we get into who wins, uh, Kenny Smith. Like, yeah, you know, it's it's funny that him being in this means they had to exclude him from the inside the NBA set because you get you get Shaq, you get Chuck, but it's like. And, and, and you get universe. Ernie, yeah, but it, no, yeah. no Kenny Smith. But he gets the um, the turn around and look at those titties line, which is good. Yeah, that that was one of my quotes. Just please turn around and look at these titties. Uh, hysterical. So hold on. Alternate universe, the Stanley Sugarman universe inside the NBA on TNT is Ernie Johnson hosting with Chuck and Shaq on both sides of him. That show is a fucking mess. It's, it's off, it it's off the rails dudes. 24-7. Because you need Kenny the Jet Smith there providing some actual basketball insight and like helping steer the conversation from a basketball like you know knowledge point of view. That show is a it's just a mess. That's all I can say. It's a disaster. <laughs> I tune in. I tune in ten times a week. Oh, but. I mean it's it's already must see TV, but but with just with just Shaq and Chuck, it'd just be incredible. Just them calling each other fat dumbasses and like Shaq waving his rings around and like. Ernie just trying to keep the piece hysterical. Um, yeah, no, Kenny the Jet Smith does a good job in this sports agent. Here's here's my question for you. He literally offers Sugarman a job as an agent at the beginning, and it's like you could always do that, right? And make like you know you could literally just be Bo Cruz's agent and like do this. I get that your your ultimate goal is to be be on the bench and be part of the Citrus organization, but like you could also do that temporarily like yeah. people have left jobs before and, yeah and at some point like and listen maybe it's a good lesson in like hey never give up on your dreams but he's 55 daughter's gonna go yeah. to college soon you know yeah. what actually when i say daughter gonna go to college soon i actually want to something that worked that i don't want to forget about is it's such a great dad moment is when him and he's driving his daughter to the movie and he's like you know, what about college? What do you think about that? You said you wanted to go to film school. Are you still interested in that? Like, not just like just a legitimate great parenting moment of, you know, not a, when are you, when are you going to apply for college? Where are you going to go? Where do you want to go? And it's just like, what are you, what are you feeling? What, what is something you want to do? Like, you know, the encouraging her for the, Hey, I thought you wanted to go to film school. Why don't, you know, what happened to that? Like, I just, again, it seems like the kind of dad that Adam Sandler is in general. seems very engaged with his kids and things like that. But like, I loved that, that moment. I loved, we don't get a, a whole lot of that relationship, but it's, it's again, it's part of what makes this movie good. I completely agree. And it also kind of deviates from that stereotypical sports movie parent. Who's like, you're going to college. You'd be the first Sugarman to go to college. So you're going, it's, and it's not your choice. And then at the end, she wants to go to film school instead. And that's like her big revelation. Like it is very like, human of him which mm-hmm. i did appreciate so glad you called that out yeah. as a father you notice these things more than i do yeah i, I thought it, i thought it was a very good good moment um so lenny harris pinch hitter award it's it's anthony, it's anthony edwards, edwards. we talked he's, about him he's incredible yeah <laughs> he's incredible i don't know even know there's that much more to say like I, I mentioned just the swagger for a fucking 18 year old on a movie set with all these nba legends robert duvall adam sandler who's been in 55 movies like he literally shines bright and he's not known in the nba world or social media world as being like a big personality he's pretty quiet he's pretty reserved and he's a freak athlete so i love seeing the side of him i think differently of him now i respect him even more and uh 
fuck, I hope he stays like, you know, in the limelight for that's 10, 15 years. And we're talking about this performance uh, for decades. Yeah, I like I like that he wanted to take the role. I like that his team let him take the role. Like whoever's whoever's yep. around him, agent, whatever, decided. Because like you could see in a in another universe, major, oh, he's not being the villain. Like he's like, you know, yeah. he's not, not going to do yeah. this. Like it could, you yeah. know, but like awesome really really good performance like you could see him you know it, it's interesting with like thinking about basketball players as actors like Le- for all of lebron's lebronness he's the best part of train wreck for me yes 100%. um but with he's the best part of that because he's making fun of himself he can't yep. can't carry something i'm not sure like i don't think lebron could i think lebron believes in himself a little too much to take a role like mm-hmm. this to have done this even when he was like there was there was just too much riding on him when he first came in the league like he was already too famous for this um <laughs> I, I agree it, it's it's kind of the perfect because anthony edwards drafted number one overall there was some initial thoughts that like he might be a bust or that like he was drafted too high and in the last season and a half he's shown that he's worth that number one billing so this movie coming out at this time i don't think any of this was intentional i just think that this all just helps anthony edwards stock rise even higher Mm -hmm. yeah i mean and it it will be cool to look back on especially if he if he can take the next step if he can i mean the t-wills are fucking cursed so i don't know but yeah um yeah i mean Imagine if this guy takes the T Wolves to the finals, and it's like, oh yeah, he was in. He was also in Hustle, and he's really good. He's yeah. really good in that. Um, and it, 100%. it'll be interesting if he revisits it too, uh, like revisits acting. I mean, I think this is probably given the confidence of the world. I think unanimously, people have said this is the best performance uh, in the movie. This is one of the best performances. And I and I think I, I watched a, an interview with uh, Wancho. It was Wancho who like recommended Anthony Edwards to Sandler and crew. Like they've been teammates and friends for like three or four years, and was like Anthony Edwards would make a great villain. Let me call him and called them, and basically like he accepted within like a day or two. So really cool how that came together, and really cool that they're so close uh, off screen, just showing how much they hate each other on screen. Yeah, need to get him in more stuff. Uh, yeah, I think the next season of Stranger Things is the last one. Let's see if we can get Anthony Edwards in that. The Game of Thrones prequel. Let's see, let's see what. <laughs> Let's see what he can do there. Like I just just feed this man. Um, the big chill. We've mentioned some big chill moments. Uh, yeah. You know, bring in bring in his daughter, bring in Lucia to the combine, the the training moment. Um, you know the the block of of Anthony Edwards at the at the last gym game. Like that's kind of supposed to be our our chill moment. Um, yes. Seeing Wancho in that Celtics jersey. Very cool. Which she was playing for the Celtics at the time, so I don't think that was you know I think that was part of the reason. Yeah. Uh, so I think overall my big chill moment is the, the, uh, training montage just as he gets better and better, but special shout out to that last, um, scrimmage at the high school gym. There's this tracking shot that weaves around the gym. It starts with Stanley and Bo Cruz walking in, shaking Mark Jackson's hand. We kind of glide past Trey Young hitting the three and then Aaron Gordon having a reverse alley-oop dunk and then Jeremy Clarkson, Jeremy Clarkson hitting a lay. It's just like you just start to see all these dudes and you're like, this is so fucking cool that they got all these guys. Maybe it wasn't in a room because, you know, with CGI these days, you can kind of do anything. But like that they tried to physically put all these guys in one room for this, you know, legendary type scrimmage. I really love that as an NBA fan. That uh, that spoke to me. I also wonder how much these guys kind of let it go because one of the cool things about blue chips is the talk of what the what just the basket like the pickup games are like on set and like the yeah. the action in that. And I mean, 
and the kind of the game within the game of that, of, of Penny's folks telling him like, Hey, you need to feed Shaq. You need to make sure he really likes you. Cause the magic have the number one pick. And that, I mean, and that blue chips essentially gives a Shaq and Penny. So it's kind of, I'd, I'd be, I'd really wonder what the stories from the, you know, if guys were actually like, you know, when the cameras weren't rolling, it's like, Hey, let's let it go. Let's play a real pickup game here. Cause that'd be kind of sick. Yeah. Um, yeah, with Sandler in there. <laughs> Sandler yes. makes up 55-year-old knees. <laughs> uh, honorable mention, Big Chill moment. The the never back down tattoo at the end with the tree on watch, like the, cool. the good emotional moment. We kind of get the MacGuffin earlier in it with the, uh, you know, these are the tattoos from my father and it's his bare arm yep. and then he's he's got yep. that one. Like that's that's a good one. I, I like that moment. Um, I agree. How to improve this one. It's, I feel like it's, it's, it's a little fresh to be talking about how to improve it. Um, you know, we kind of got into that with just a little more clarity of, of what the, the Sixers are doing. Yeah. Is it better if the Sixers are like kind of dismissive, but it's like, yeah, we'll throw, you know, we'll throw Cause I think they even mentioned like, you know, putting him in the G league, you know, we'll see how he does in the G league or, but if the Sixers are like, um, you know, we'll, we'll take a flyer on him late in the draft, but he's, he's not a guy you need to get back out there. And then other teams get word of him or something like that. Yeah. It's probably more complicated and harder to convey to like a regular movie watching audience, like how the mechanics of all all that happened. So while it would probably improve it from like me, you and your listeners point of views, it probably wouldn't improve it from like a film point of view overall. Um, it does. That's a good point again, in I, that it does make it very simple and that, Hey, yes. Sixers don't want him. This isn't your guy. Give up. Yep. 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 And like, and no one else knows about him. So like you suck. <laughs> it's not, you suck, but like you're, you're out of luck. Um, and then, yeah, as, as I mentioned, like I, I, the social media moment was coming. I think movies and films are relying movies and TV are relying on those moments too often now. Oh, we'll just make this go viral, which isn't a thing. I'm a, as you know, I'm a, creative director and i do advertising so often i'll have brands go and then we can make this go viral and i don't that's not something you can actually do <laughs> that's something that has to L- listen happen. pal if that was something that i could do on command i wouldn't be working with you <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um so th- that that point because i think also that's not going to age well we're going to look back to this movie and go oh god there's a lot of tiktok in this mm. movie and tiktok really took a turn there five years <laughs> later or something like that like <laughs> Yeah, I think um, I think for what it is, it it's hard to pick out one thing and be like, yeah, this would really, really improve it. Like it's 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 pretty good as is. I mean, for like before more restore prequel sequel remake. I mean, obviously very fresh. I don't think yeah. I don't think a sequel. Yeah, I, I you know obviously you're not remaking something 2022. A movie not not tangentially tied to this, but either a movie about a young, like a, a Stanley who like maybe the movie starts with that guy sitting in jail right after a car accident or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that. And how he becomes an NBA scout. I can yeah. watch that. And I, I mean, I just, I would love to see Sandler doing more basketball, doing more things that reflect who he is now. than yep. you know, like he's never going to re- recapture what made Billy Madison or happy Gilmore. So good. Sure. I, I I just don't I don't think that's there. I don't think you can do that at in your late fifties when we have so much history with him and history that's beyond. Because back then he was just like the the Hanukkah song guy and the SNL guy who yeah. did ridiculous you know, opera man. We yeah. have so much history with Adam Sandler now. 
Um, I, I would just love more projects like this that are legitimate passion projects. Like I'm glad he gets to go take those awesome vacations with his friends and film grown up seven or whatever the fuck he's doing with these people. As Netflix writes him literally a blank check. Yeah. Um, although Netflix is tightening their belts. They're probably not doing that as much anymore, but yeah, I completely agree. There's not a lot more that I'd want to see from this, whether it is a prequel, a sequel or a remake. It, it is too fresh and, but who knows maybe in 10 years when we do this podcast, you're still recording it and I'm still desting on it. We'll, uh, we'll have a different opinion. Yeah. <laughs> we'll, maybe we'll just revisit this one again down the road, but Jared, this was sure. great. I am glad that you watched this, told me to watch it. I'm going to be revisiting this movie very soon. Uh, really, really enjoyable. Tell the folks again where they can follow you, where they can check out. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Which is a phrase that I get to say again. <laughs> check me out at Jr. We'll do it on all platforms, but most importantly for the purposes of this, Please follow Oh Yeah, Oh Yeah, the podcast at Oh Yeah Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and soon to be on TikTok. Can't wait to have to master that again. And um, yeah, subscribe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, rate, review, go back, listen to some old episodes. Kyle's been on like four or five of them, and he'll be on the one that we're debuting on Monday, July 11th. So looking forward to everyone tuning in. And Crash, thanks thanks as always for having me. To quote the great Bart Scott, can't wait. Can't wait. Very, very excited. Everyone go do that. If you enjoyed this episode of Big Screen Sports, please remember to subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Rate and leave a review if you're on Apple Podcast. If you want to support the show, get a say in what the show's going to cover. Uh, patrons are picking three movies in July. They're picking some new categories, doing a lot of stuff. Go to patreon.com slash sports. If you're a baseball fan, check out my interview series from Phenom to the Farm. That's presented by Baseball America. Next episode, a great one with former big leaguer Chris Colabello. So tune in for that, and we'll catch you next Monday on this feed. Thanks for listening. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.